and a mouse keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Everybody and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 252. It is a holiday week, and Marvel did not put a ton of books out. Of course, we separate them into three podcasts, so we end up having a Bounty Hunters book that I'll be talking with Matt on Saturday on the Star Wars show, and we have Excalibur that me and Ruben will be going through next Monday on the X-Men show, but the books that are left, Not many, not many left, uh, some of which me, Brandon Clay, do not deal with, say, a Doctor Doom. That a lot of people say is very good, but I'm not caught up on that. But the other ones we're going to do, and we're going to end up with two books here on the regular show. Me and Clay will be going through the penultimate issue, the LR issue of Amazing Spider-Man for the whole Kindred story. Then I will be going through the finishing deal, the finale to Maestro. And if you need more, and and really more means Brandon, you're going to have to go over to the Patreon spotlight because the two books that me and Brandon talked about, both King and Black number two and U.S. Agent number two, were picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew. Beep boop over there on Patreon to make them Patreon exclusive this week. Now, it is a good time to, you know, go over to the Patreon, check it out. We have might have some free time ahead of you with the holidays going. And with only two books on this regular show, you'll have time to go and maybe check out those other two books. Me and Brandon took about an hour to go through King and Black 2 and U.S. Agent number two. Uh, U.S. Agent confused us a bit more than King and Black, but we talked about those. And as I kind of alluded to before, Next week is an annuals week. It's a fifth Wednesday of a month. It only happens a couple times a a year. It's usually about three or four times a year. And on those weeks, me and Brandon and Clay and all of the podcasts, the DC one as well, we end up having that show or shows here on the Marvel feed on the Patreon. It's actually a whole week. All the shows are on the Patreon. So If you end up wanting to listen to those, you can go over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, where you can get all those shows plus a ton more. Um, And, you know, check it out. If you don't want to, if that's not your thing, you don't have money, you know, whatever. Everybody has their reasons. Uh, You just pretend we took a week off. A lot of podcasts this time of year are taking weeks off anyway. We do not try not to uh, try to put the work in. Um, but yeah, you could just pretend you, you could play make believe and say, oh, they didn't have those. Now, when you end up going and looking at the podcast numbers, you're going to see that you're missing three of them because we will end up doing a regular show on Wednesday. We will have a Star Wars show on Saturday and an X-Men show on Monday, just like it's a normal deal. But there'll be Patreon exclusive, just kind of a way to entice you over and check those things out. But we're going to get into this episode, this episode here, where we're going to be going through, like I said, Spider-Man getting very close to the end of the Kindred story. This is the penultimate issue and the ending of Maestro, where 
we ended up already having an announcement that this Maestro book will continue in another miniseries coming up. So we're going to go into those right now. All right, and me and Clay are going to get into The Amazing Spider-Man, number 54.LR. It's written by Nick Spencer and Matthew Rosenberg and art by Federico Vicentini and Takeshi Maezawa. And you end up having the inks by Federico Vicentini and Takeshi Maezawa and also Scott Hanna, colors by Eric Arcianega and letters by VC's Ariana Mayer. And it, I guess it would be uh, Takeshi who's doing that callback art at the beginning, I, I would guess, because Frederico Vincentini has done a bunch of these already. And I really like I really like that art. I really like. The I really enjoy out. when I really enjoy when Marvel because this isn't the first time Marvel has done this. I think the first time for me that I really enjoyed it was back when Matthew Rosenberg was doing the X-Men books. And Cyclops, there was a small story with Cyclops and Cable, and they did a flashback. And you had a lot of the, uh, the what do they call it? The dots, the Kirby dots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, they, yeah. the Kirby dots, yeah. I also like the when they crackle. The crackle. Yeah. I really like also when they do this and actually even go that step further and make it in that like print look where you have yes. like that. That's awesome. But mm-hmm. I think that in this flashback that we have, it might be a little too much for that. I like when you have that with just a couple pages. Now, with that, you have Donny Cates using that kind of look in his crossover book for the one girl that shows up. And I, I really dug that, too. Uh, and, yeah, I the thing is, if you're going to do a flashback and, and you end up – and I'll get into the uh, recap in a second. But you have Nick Spencer. He obviously writes this with a lot of things from the past, a lot of things that happened before, a lot of things that are based on, you know, one more day, basically, a lot of this being. And so when you have this flashback deal that you want to show and you do it in the classic and really a really great job of doing this, this looks like, you know, this doesn't look like, oh, my God, they're trying to ape this or whatever. I mean, it looks great. It looks like you could go and go back to the 70s and just find these right there the way that it's drawn and and done. So I think they did a good job. But I like that. I like the way that that kind of Instead of just saying, hey, everybody, we're going to show you, you know, this actually puts me in the mood that I think Nick Spencer always tries to give you. And I thought Mm -hmm. that it played out really well. I I really liked it. And I'm starting to uh, get away from Brandon, who will not read anything Nick Spencer, starting to dig some stuff. So and, and also loving Matthew Rosenberg on this as well together. And that's another Matthew Rosenberg. I kind of run hot and cold with myself as well. Yeah, he's making uh, his way to DC. So yeah, I know. And I'm, it's I'm hoping we get kind more. of odd. So, yeah, but it it hey, but we're on the <laughs> ground floor, right? We can sit there. But here is the recap. <laughs> After being cleansed by his sins by the Sin Eater, Norman Osborn revealed that the truth threat behind the Sin Eater, the mysterious villain Kindred, is really his son Harry Osborn. Wishing to put an end to Harry's violence, Norman has sought to help Harry's with the help of Harry's old friend. Mary Jane Watson. Meanwhile, Kindred used all the sins collected by the Sin Eater to turn Peter's spider friends into his demonic puppets. And now my page went to free them. Peter struck a deal with Kindred, but it came at a terrible personal cost. As it did it, did it really? I mean, he kind of got <laughs> killed a bunch of times and brought back. I mean, that does suck. I wouldn't want that. But as the spiders seek a way to help Peter, the Sin Eater, still believing the spiders to be possessed by sin, seeks to destroy them. He absorbed the powers of one of their deadliest enemies, Morloon, and now prepares to strike. 
And I think, number one, that kind of seems a little odd that that Stan would think that they're still fully possessed because they're obviously not looking like I mean, look at Silk, like the idea like, hey, Silk, you you don't look like a demonic, crazy, you know, teeth monster. But still, when you have this, you start out with basically these this flashback deal and you could say it goes on a little too long for what you're getting out of it. I liked it. I actually really, really liked it. It, it just put me in the mood, like I said. And with that, you basically get that Harry, no matter what. Harry could be the worst of the worst. Harry could end up being Green Goblin, like he is here. He will never hurt Mary Jane. Mary Jane, now, he'll, he'll get triggered and yell. He'll get really angry in a panel if you bring up his dad. And that's where I think that we're getting two things here. Number one, she's working with his dad. You know, Norman mm-hmm. has her to go and do this in what we thought was an altruistic way because Norman had his sins cleansed. But as we get into it, and after that, you do have Mary Jane like, come on, we're still friends. We'll always be friends. Come on, Harry. You know, we love each other, all that stuff. And he even gets in this, you know, a little mad about Peter. You know, it's always that, but he just wants to get back. And I I like the way they're showing this because I do think that we've seen in Kindred Harry, I I do think that he just wants things to be like they were. I think that he's tired of this, even though he's this big, bad Kindred. I can see the idea of him just kind of breaking down like he does in this saying, I just want this to end. I just want to get back and, and get back to where things were. Again, before the one more day, the whole deal of that. And even the the idea that Gwen, you know, all these things going on and Gwen being killed, like it's all just heaped on him. But when we go off to see then Norman and Mary Jane going to, you know, quote unquote, help Harry, uh, you get this deal where, again, I think that you're going to find that Mary Jane obviously doesn't know she's being duped. We find that out at the end. And she doesn't know because she hates Norman. She can't stand him. He tries to apologize for everything he did. And it is funny. Like, would you accept an apology, you yourself, Clay, from somebody who has killed that many? She says, everybody I love, you end up, you know, you killed at one point or you you hurt them so bad and don't apologize to me. And I thought that this was a really good scene with Mary Jane. I thought that Mary Jane comes off very strong, but also the idea that, what does Norman care? <laughs> he's he's stupid. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. I, I I really enjoyed the the voice that Nick Spencer has created for Mary Jane. Uh, she is somebody who is almost completely opposite. I I know we keep harping on that uh, that solo that Mary Jane had. Oh, I was going to bring it up. <laughs> harping. <laughs> I was gonna, yeah, the amazing Mary Jane book. It was not great. Yeah, this shows a more mature Mary Jane that is going to be serious in what she is doing. And that's what I love about the relationship between Peter and Mary Jane is Mary Jane very like knows, okay, I don't have any superpowers, but I'm going to do whatever I have to, to help Peter. And she's proving it here. And I love that. She wasn't just going to just let Norman, you know, run the show and just be like, okay, everything's normal. Now we're friends. You know, you can, I can help you do this or that. No, she's going to, stick her guard up because this person has double crossed them time and time and time again. So I, I really enjoyed this, this interaction. And I like, I love the fact that we get this old time classic art and then it's so jarring just to see the, the advancement of Mary Jane. 
like when she's like thinking about it. Um, I was like, does she think like that old classic art? Like she doesn't see herself now. She just thinks of herself with all these puffy hair yeah, and like that, light that tones. Oh, <laughs> maybe. Also, I, I didn't mention the one big thing at the end too that I think will play in. Maybe because we only have that one issue left now. But the idea where it's Mary Jane, you know, I'll always love you, best friends. I love you so much. All this stuff. And then at the very end, I would never let anybody hurt you or Peter's aunt. Aunt May gets thrown in there as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, again, that ties into exactly what was done for, you know, one more day and all the stuff that was going on. So it is a good tie in to what we're going to get and how much, you know, Harry hates his father. Again, it's really spelled out when you just say, you know, you're not like your father. Don't say that, you know, all these things. And even with the idea of, He's trying to, and it's good because this isn't, it's also the trying to protect his father a bit, but then not and all this. And he's, he's confused, but he does get mad. But Mary Jane too with this, I love it too. She's there. And it's the whole deal of like, listen, I'm an actor. I know she says it a couple too, like one too many times, but I didn't mind because in this little scene, which I wanted more of this in the LR. That's one of my complaints when we get to the end of this, is that I wanted more of the Norman and Mary Jane. We didn't get much. You know, car crash, he grabbed her, come with me if you want to live. Hey, it's Harry, let's go. And then we kind of got away from it. But in this little scene, you get that progression of Mary Jane. Listen, I know what I have to do. You can tell, too, at the one point when she says, like, I have to give a command performance to someone, and She's not looking at Norman like she can't stand being in this car with him. She cannot stand him, but she will do this for Peter and Harry, but really spells out, I will do anything for Peter and uses the idea of this, you know, whole acting thing. I'm an actor. I know what I'm doing. I'll put a grand performance. I'll do this to throw it back at Norman to say, listen. You are a piece of crap. I don't care what you tell me that you are or aren't now because you saying you're not the goblin, all that bull crap. That's your real thing. You're always that. You are awful and you play this game with your regular Norman Osborn deal. That's your act. It's kind of like the whole deal with Batman, which is yeah, the real she says deal. The, uh, that skin is just how you hide in plain sight. Yeah, yeah. it's so good. And and just that one two-page deal, it, it is what I wanted from them this whole time. So that's why I really like this issue. But then it pulls me back to say, oh, man, I want it to be more of its own thing. When that's kind of sad. I mean, me and you both said it before we recorded. We really have enjoyed the LR stuff. And we want it to be its own, like, you know, own complete thing. But kind of silly thinking that since this is an event and the main deal is the main book. But some of this stuff is so much more interesting than actually Kindred and Peter. Kindred and Peter just yelling and screaming at each other. The, the depth of all this is this stuff that I really, really like. And then you get a crazy bit going on. And it, it does pick up because then you have – and you don't have a lot of kindred in this, really. It's, it's a lot. And I like that because we're keeping that for the deal. But, you know, he's setting up this whole game, doing all this stuff. And then you have Stan, Sin Eater, that is going through the graveyard trying to get rid of the Order of the Web. And you go with that. You tell us what happened there. Uh, very quick, but I liked it enough. Oh, yeah, I I really enjoyed this. We see Mary Jane get out of the car. She's starting to walk out. Of course, that's when we saw her in the last issue at the very end. But we see the Order of the Web confront Sea Neuter. uh, And 
you know, they they start to fight. And the really big thing is, you know, I thought you were dead. You know what happened because of everything that happened at Ravencroft, you know, the giant explosion and everything else. They still haven't seen him since then. Um, but he gets a shot off uh, and doesn't get anybody because it, it was a uh, spider woman. Jessica, she was able to dodge it, mm-hmm. but he was able to grab her and you see him still able to absorb their power. She recognizes this immediately because she said well if he can absorb people's powers that power is something that i have felt before that's marloon you know and that's big i mean marloon going against the order of the web that's their main villains you know the whole and i i love the next few pages worth of like the choreography the fight i think it looks really really good um this is basically they're trying to figure out okay well marloon by himself is you know a hassle. How are we supposed to take care of this guy who has the powers of basically anybody he has, you know, cleansed? And they're like, okay, uh, this one was a little bit on the nose, but uh, I keep forgetting her name. Uh, uh, it, uh, it's Madame Webb. It's Julia. Madame Webb. Yeah, yeah, Julie. I, I everybody has a J name, and it's so I know, confusing. I know. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, Madame Webb. She immediately starts to say, oh, well, if only we could see it. Well, no, no. Gwyn is saying, oh, I wish we it's could forced, see right? in the future. Yeah, it is is a little too forced uh, in in my taste. But Madam what says, uh, be careful what you wish for. It may be a risk. And she basically tells Senator, shoot me, like, go ahead to do whatever you want. He does cleanse her. Uh, he then gains the power of the, basically the web, and starts to see the future. I do like that um, we get a glimpse of what we will possibly see in next issue. Um, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought um, was, we, I thought the setup was very forced. I mean, it was. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm telling you, it's like if only we could see it in the future. Like well, even I, even if it was like the fact that he shot her like on accident, you know, he was aiming for somebody else, and then it got her, and then he got the powers. Even that would have worked out. It would have. Just I like for the that, fact, yeah. I like that, Madam Webb. Though that's her plan. Like she is thinking, she's smart, so she's basically, but. It does go from A to H, like right away at 60 miles an hour of, well, you know, you you don't really love like she knows what a hassle it is to know what's going to happen. But realizes like in an instant, well, if Sin Eater would realize this, we know it's a dupe. He'll find it's a dupe. He'll end up like there's a bit uh, of a jump. But her doing that and just like shoot, shoot me, knowing that he'll be able to see the future and see that he has no part in anything that Kindred is trying to do, that he's a pawn. I actually thought that that was really good. And I guess that if you end up I, because you're throwing the order of the web here and maybe everybody wouldn't know, but we've already seen it. I guess you have to have that just to say that's her power. Now we're going to have him mm-hmm. have it. It's a, it's a little forced though to get there, but I really did like that. He sees that he's been a pawn and he has, like I said, the future does not include him in these things that he's seeing and seeing what was being done and why it was being done and stuff like that. I thought it was really good. Uh, then he freaks out, you know, you go for that. He, he freaks completely yeah, out. He, he freaks out. He, there's like a wave of, I guess the web reaching out 
and actually hits everybody else. The order of the web sees exactly what he is seeing. Just a small little glimpse of it. Um, I think it was Jessica who ends up saying, Oh, well, I think he's actually getting the entire show. And from here, this is where he in fact goes crazy in the fact that he is realizing that he has no future with Kindred. Like this is literally a wild goose chase for him. And so he grabs his shotgun right under his chin and shoots himself. Every there's this, I will say as gruesome and as depressing as the subject matter is the art here, I think is the best of the entire issue. I, I even like that. You know, you have the reactions of of the order there because at this point remember too madam webb doesn't have her pa- she's just laying there with the cinder smoke coming out of her um mm-hmm. but you end up when he shoots himself and they're looking and i i do like the individual deal where miles he doesn't even want to look i mean he's like that and everybody else it's like one of those where they were just looking at that point and couldn't even turn away and it's really really good and even just the you know it's done in a way that you see what's going on uh, a bit gruesome like you said and it is suicide is what he's doing um but it's done in a way that's not so gruesome the thing though is and it's funny because we were talking about this at the end of the book you have nick lowe the editor come out and say listen you know we don't want to glorify suicide all that and i thought to myself well if that's the case i think that this could have been done in a different way to get rid of Stan, but I guess you really want that big moment of how desperate it is. And even with that, he's yelling, I see you breaking bread with the devil himself, which you can kind of, is that Mephisto? Is that all the stuff going on that ended up happening mm-hmm. before? And then I see who you really are. And that's the end. He's like, you know, you lied to me. It's all for nothing. All that it was all a lie. And this whole deal. So he does end up killing himself. They say in the book, like, Oh my God, did he just kill himself? Well, you can't kill what was already dead. It's still pretty much that. Now, I don't know a ton about Sinister, especially the shotgun he has, but I would have thought that this could have just been that he shoots himself and it cleanses him of all the sins that then go out. Somehow you can't double loop it across the streams. I I literally just thought of something, though. So Kindred was able to bring him to life. We assume that much. Maybe that is also a sin. So when cleansing himself, he literally takes him his I, life. I, 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 that would, it's just like, you have it so graphic. And even with them saying, you can't kill what's already dead, things like that. It is so graphic in this, that they do think that they need to put this thing at the end. They need to have this mm-hmm. thing. Again, most of the time with this, I'm, I'm pretty cynical. Uh, You know, I'm not a guy who's, you know, peaches and cream all the time. So I think that this is like the, okay, we got to get this out there before we get yelled at because then we'll have to do that. I kind of never think that everybody's doing something 100% for goodwill and things like that. I think that at a point they're like, okay, this makes sense. It's not really like you said, you know, one of the sins coming back, all that. And then they're like, yeah, somebody's going to yell at us. But still. You get this. And and what I said to you before is I wish that we saw more of a deal because the sins explode out of him. I realize now we do get it because that's where Julia ends up. Oh, and she wakes. He's better again. And I was like, why didn't we see anybody react to this? And now I realize it was right there. We do because Madam Webb ends up getting up and like, oh, my God. Oh, uh, you're okay." And she's like, yeah, but we have to run. Because of all this stuff going down. So we do see that the sins go. I rather would have had 
a spread page with everything. Boom, boom. You know, I said even Count Nefaria that we've had a bunch of times and that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Juggernaut. Like you said, I mean, that guy, he ended up with nothing. Like, what does he do? All of a sudden, he's chugging, I'm back, baby, and starts running through walls and, you know, whatever. And, and you even said, what does that do to the Fabian? That's a deal. But, who, you know, that's an aside deal. But with that, you end up having this going on. And if you if you start adding it up, well, if, if Madam Webb got her thing back, uh, who else would? And one of them is exactly Norman. And I think that's why they don't give you that big spread page. I think that they're pro- they're trying to play coy that if you don't connect the dots here, it'll be the big crazy reveal. And what I like about this, it sets up the beginning, Mary Jane and Norman. Hey, Mary Jane, you know, I just want to tell you. And he's trying to apologize at the one point where he really could give that apology and really mean it because he sees what he has done. He doesn't have the sins. He's been cleansed. But now all of a sudden, boom, he's got him back. Everybody must have him back. If Madam Webb gets up fine, all of a sudden we see the transformation back. And the thing is, again, such a well-played. And I think that the more you think into this, such a well-played deal that Mary Jane's already said, listen, you hide in plain sight. So it's not like Norman's going to get hit by all the things. He's Green Goblin again and then just yells out, I'm Green Goblin. He knows how to play the game. He's still playing it. But we get little hints because as we go on, Madam Webb says, we got to run. You end up having kindreds like, oh, my God, you know, it's too late for all of you. You're all done. You end up having all these attacks going on from kindred again to get them. But then at the end, we, we get a twist here. I'll let you finish because this is where you get a little hint with the whole deal with Norman getting back the sins, but also who's involved. Yeah. So we we get Kindred, you know, grabbing the Order of the Web and we go back to Norman in his car and his driver saying, oh, they've arrived. We see more people driving up. Um, the artist is playing really coy with the color purple. We all know that the color purple is very much related to Norman as the Green Goblin. And, you know, he's having a conversation with somebody. Shadows are are playing very deep into it, so you can't really tell who it is. But we do see Norman have this giant smile on his face, very uh, methodical, uh, very villainous, very Green yeah, very Goblin. Sinister, very and Green Goblin. That is, that is the connection that you're supposed to make with the entire thing with Sin Eater, is okay his sins are back you know so that is clearly not a sympathetic norman anymore no no, he's he's ready and what's worse is is that the setup was done without the sins (laughs) and now Mm -hmm. he's that's that's what mary jane completely before that's what i want to learn and i don't think we're gonna get it and if we get it next issue which is like the last issue of this arc it may be too much in one Yeah, issue. we have a lot to tie up. I, I mean, we have a bunch of things because then at the end, it's Kingpin. It's Kingpin. Yeah. That, that is the whole deal that seems to have gotten everything for Norman. And this could go back to the Ravencroft book because he was the one who finagled to get Norman involved at being one of the heads of Ravencroft Institute when people were going nuts. What are you going to do? No, no, no. He's reformed. He's good. It didn't make any sense. But Kingpin, you know, he pulls the strings. He's he's there. He's in charge. So he ended up doing that. So it ties in a lot of things. But yeah, like you said, with the colors, when you have this person walking towards Norman, you even have him at that point where you see that when we see him in the front, looks like he's got a gray coat from the back. It's purple. 
And you're like, oh, my God, you know, it's happening. And with that whole deal of being subtle about the sins going out, subtle but not so subtle. I mean, we picked it up pretty much right away, and I think most people would. But the idea that you don't know how Norman's playing this because, like Mary Jane said at the beginning, that's why I like that setup so much, that he is a manipulator. He is an actor himself. He acts like he's saying Norman and he never is and all that. And, you know, he's always evil. And she says, it doesn't matter when you're good. You're always evil. And we see that that must be the case because he was still being bad when he shouldn't have necessarily needed to do that. Uh, so I will more say, though, Kingpin is still out of the loop because he says Kindred will be ours. He doesn't know that it's Norman. Or that it that it's Harry. Sorry, he doesn't know that it's Harry. And and that's the thing. I think that what we're going to get is obviously in this that uh, you know Norman's the real one manipulating everybody from the beginning. He's he's even manipulating Kingpin because first off, Kindred will be ours. There's no way Norman's letting Harry go anywhere with or being taken down by Kingpin. You know, Harry's mm-hmm. going to be dealt with by him. And however they end up doing this, but it, it's it's going to be continued i mean we we end up there with one more issue amazing spider-man number 55 and i'm looking forward to it goes on sale at the end of this month uh and what's funny is then we will be talking about it on the patreon only because that's an annuals week and so all of those will be so that's a little bit of a wink wink to join up on the patreon but uh this was great i really liked it and actually liked it even more talking with you about it than i did the two times i read before because of Mm -hmm. all the little pieces that do fit in this one issue. And that's why I love, you know, some people do these long form stories or whatever, but I love when an issue, which is a penultimate issue of an event where you're usually going to get a lot of stuff thrown at you out of nowhere, just to get to the next deal. And the more I looked at this, it made sense from start to beginning gave you enough. I do still wish that we had more, of the background stuff with Harry or, or Mary Jane and Norman. I mean, going and all mm-hmm. that maybe by themselves. And the Order of the Web has pretty much been props through this whole thing. They they ended up being, you know, having the demon sins in them. Then they get that out. Then they're in the, the dreamscape. Now they're here to just have Sin Eater do stuff. But I did like that as well. And I like their reactions. I like uh, Madam Webb's plan. So I'm I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. Uh, I might even be able to go a little higher if we talk for about five more minutes, but I'm going <laughs> to stick to the nine because it is a lot of setup for the next deal. But in that setup, you do get some really good progression and a lot of good stuff with it. I'm going nine, three, screw it. I'll go nine, three. Cause then I'm thinking even of the flashback thing. And I love that as well. So uh, nine, three, what would you give it? You know, I thought I was going to be more positive than you. You were more positive no than me. Yes, I am yeah. positive Peter right now. Uh, so, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording. You know, there there's clearly things that they could have possibly put in here for a little bit more connective tissue. Mm-hmm. There is clearly, you know, choices need to be made. It's only 20 something pages that, you know, they can fit into this comic. I completely understand. So I was afraid that I might have been a little too high with an eight five. So I was kind of going to be like, oh, eight, eight, five. But you're right. After talking to you about this, really diving deep um, with, you know, a little bit more of the connective tissue, I would be OK with standing at that eight, five, eight, seven. I, I, I'm telling you, I was an eight, five before we started. I went up that much because I really did enjoy it. And as I'm 
I'm going when I do my score. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm rapid fire through the pages <laughs> back and forth. I, this is what I do all the time. And the art throughout is great. But that, yes, it that is. flashback art that really, like I said, that really got me in the mood for this sort of deal. And the thing that Nick Spencer is doing now with Matthew Rosenberg on this too. But just the idea where we've been waiting to see what's this connection, what's going on. And to have this flashback of Harry as Green Goblin, but saying it doesn't matter what I am. And it's one of those things like Harry is the opposite of Norman. Harry actually, Green Goblin, yes, this consumes me. But Harry himself is a guy who loves his friends, loves Peter, loves Mary Jane. It's just that he gets consumed by this you know, Green Goblin thing. So he's the opposite of his father. His father's just pure evil. He is not. So with this whole kindred deal looking like, oh, my God, look at this awfulness and how you see there that there's always Harry. Harry's always there. And no matter how bad it can get, how bad the whole deal is, he's still just a guy who's hurt. He's a guy who his father is manipulated and, and all that. So I like seeing that little bit where, you know, set up to where we have Harry possibly say, you know, I just want this to end and I just want to be back with my friends. Though I, I think that's a hard thing to do by now when you're a kindred all this time. But we'll see. But, yeah, I really did like it. I really did like this. And it's good because I'm not liking a ton of books that are coming out overall right now. I always need something to really enjoy. So this is it. Uh, but, yeah, you're going to stay with that 8-7. Did I pump you up to an 8-9? Did I? No, did I, I get you? <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm gonna stick with the 8-7 just because, like I said, right. I feel like there there's the, the whole thing because I think we had – Basically, you know, in our head, the same kind of visual that we would have enjoyed a little bit more. Yeah. The whole Gus Westers thing when he, you know, cleansed himself of all the sins. But we understand that, okay, they wanted, they, they want it to be a quote unquote surprise yeah. if yeah. anybody doesn't, you know, connect the dots. Yeah. So yeah. other than that, I, I think it's, it's still a really, really good issue. So yeah. and, I, I, I've really been enjoying the story. And you're figuring as well as I am that at the end of this Kindred deal, pretty much we're just getting Norman Green Goblin back. It, it seems like mm-hmm. that's like the real push. And uh, okay, you know, we kind of, we kind of, uh, you know, dupe that a couple times leading into this. You know, we saw that Norman was, he had that cachet of stuff that, you know, lab and things underneath Ravencroft, all that thing to, to kind of pull it back and say, no, 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 that's, it's not me. I'm the, just to get to eventually. Yep. It was me all along. Here I go. Uh, so I do expect that, but I'm, I'm wondering how they're going to get Kindred and Harry out of all that. And if he will just actually die, if they will end up having him reset, are we going to have, we could have some crazy stuff coming up, but we'll see. We'll see. But as we do at the end, because I mean, you only have one book this week and there isn't a lot of books in general coming out this week, which is crazy because Marvel usually has so many that we're scrambling to see what we're going to talk about. <laughs> uh, but give everybody all your information where they can listen to you on your other podcasts. Yeah. So if you go to my Twitter account at fanboy clay, there is a link tree. I'm sure there's going to be uh, the link tree in the notes as well, but you can find me at fanboy comics podcast, uh, the Comic Book Legion podcast, the Batman News Weekly podcast, of course, this podcast, as well as the Ranger Alliance. Yep, over at the Geek Ultimate Alliance Network. And yes. you, you do too many. You do, but not <laughs> enough. That's the thing. You, you, too many, but for you, but not enough for us. So there will end that. And yeah, thanks for joining me once again. And uh, we'll talk to everybody 
in a couple weeks, unless you're on the Patreon, but we'll, we'll get into that by the end of the episode. But we're going to continue and finish with Maestro number five. It is written by Peter David, art by Hanman Peralta, colors by Jesus Urbital, relics art by Dale Keown, relics colors by Jason Keith, letters by VCs Ariana Mayer. It's late right now. I'll tell you, it's 3 a.m. and I'm getting goofy. And this is, I'm looking, the 12th time I've tried to record this. Isn't that great? It's going to end up being like eight minutes long. Takes me this many times. That's nonsense. That's behind the scenes of the podcasting dilemma, right? It's not all peaches and herb here reunited. There's times where it's a real pain in the butt. The Hulk woke up from suspended animation of future devastated by war. Most of humanity is dead in the continent's one functioning city dystopia is ruled by the maestro, formerly known as the incredible Hercules. When the Hulk decided to take that throne for his own, Hercules beat him down. And good. But the Hulk would not be defeated so easily. He recruited supervillain Vapor to his cause, and together they killed Hercules. Now, the thing is, I'll give you a hint. If you're planning any murder... Don't get a sidekick. Don't don't get a partner. Doesn't work out. Partners talk. And then, you know, Hercules ends up dying and Hulk realizes, yeah, I can't leave loose ends. And then the Hulk killed Vapor. That's what happens. Now the Hulk's path towards total domination seems clear, but he may have underestimated his old pal Rick Jones, who is hiding out in an underground lair, populated with the grisly mementos of Earth's greatest heroes. Take away the Earth's greatest heroes, and Rick Jones is pretty much like me. Down here in the Black Mold Studios of my basement. It's Sleepy Rick and Sleepy Jim hiding out in their underground lairs. Jones may be confined. I am Sleepy Jim right now. It's 3 a.m. I, I already mentioned. Jones may be confined to a wheelchair, but he is not without resources. And only he knows just how dangerous the Hulk can be. I'm always sleepy, too. I'm telling you, you, you give me the nickname Sleepy Jim. I'm all for it. That allows me then to take a lot of naps. I mean, really, because if I do that, then you're like, oh, man, look at Sleepy Jim. I'm like, yeah, look at Sleepy Jim. Sleepy Jim's close to his eyes. He's going to La La Land where I can be a Viking is what I end up saying here. And you end up where the Hulk has killed Hercules. Then he kills Vapor and ends up spreading Vapor's you know, pieces all over the wasteland. But now they're having a funeral in dystopia for the grand old Hercules. Their guy, he's got his Hercules intercontinental belt on. If I was Hulk, I would have taken that for my own, but no, he's got a little more honor than me, I guess. And he's leading this procession to the town square where they end up, you know, kind of tying Hercules to a pole, a funeral pyre and burning him. And, you know, in a kind of a Viking funeral, sands the water, but you're in the town square there, not a lot of water around. And then he ends up saying people at Dystopia, look, Hercules, he's pretty cool. I mean, he ended up doing all this stuff where you got dystopia. He led you to this new thing, taught you to survive. Well, I am going to step forward. and I'm going to make it even better. I'm going to make it so we thrive. We're going to be the greatest. I'm going to lead you guys to the promised land. And then some guy steps up, which I don't know. This guy's got a lot of balls, says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, why are you going to lead us? Looks like, what? Excuse me? What you say is like, well, why are you leading? Why aren't we having a vote? Why aren't we going to end up electing a leader? You know, kind of like they used to do back in the day. And Hulk kind of figures like there's no way that Hercules went through any sort of vote deal. I mean, they would end up having a debate and Hercules would probably either try to 
smooch you to death or maybe kill you. I mean, this guy's sexed up. That's how he ended up getting killed by vapor. All sexed up, that Hercules. And he's like, I don't think that Hercules went through any voting. The guy's like, well, no, uh, you know, that sexed up guy didn't do that. And we ended up, that was a different time, though. And then Hercules is like, eh, you know, our Hulk says, it's a different time again, and I'm going to attack you now. And ends up sending the dogs of war to just eat these guys. Now, while this is going on, you end up having Rick Jones watching from down below in his lair there. And he ends up ha- hanging out with his gal Janice, who says, oh, my God, Pizfiz and Dackard are up there. And Rick says, well, then get them down here. I mean, they can't be up there. It's going to be a riot. Hulk is dangerous. Well, they're there and they have some hardware. They end up having the Hulk killing gun and they try to use it. They actually save some people from the dogs of war with it. But when Hulk ends up seeing this, he punches the ground and causes what I'd like to call a Hulk quake. And Dackard ends up falling and drops the gun. And so from there, you're like, okay, the gun, and you do have Hulk going, and it's going to kill Dackard. It's just going to destroy Dackard. But if you read Future Imperfect, you know that can't happen. So what does happen? You end up getting Hercules rising from the dead. He is still on fire. And I don't mean that he's made three buckets in a row in NBA jams. I'm talking he is flaming. And he ends up coming and saying, hey, Banner, you know, why don't you fight me? And Hulk's like, that, that don't make sense. You're dead. I watched you die. What's going on? And I like this play because you always get the idea that comic book characters never stay dead. But you put the mythology into it. And I do like it. I like that Hercules says, I went down to Hades. And I said, hey, you owe me a favor, buddy. And Hades agreed. And now he's allowing me to come back for vengeance on you, Hulk. And then starts fighting and is really beating the crap out of him. He is beating the crap out of Hulk. He ends up taking down the dogs of war. All this going on. The problem is, is as he seemingly is about to kill Hulk, he gets blasted by that Hulk killing gun. And it's now a Hercules killing gun. Goes right through him and kills him. He dissipates. He's gone. He's back in the underworld afterlife deal. We find out and you're like, man, what did Decker do? Did she miss? Nope. It's somebody else. Somebody else picked up the gun, and the somebody else is the minister, the guy who was working for Hercules. We had, during the series, anytime anybody would come, Hulk would come, he would be his advisor type deal and and tell him what's going on. And so you have Hulk's like, well, what's going on there, buddy? And the minister's like, eh, you know, I, I didn't really like Hercules anyway. Probably all sexed up, that's why. And then goes with the idea, in my mind, you know, Maestro's dead, long live Maestro, so... You end up having Hulk now being leader. He gets the gun and he starts saying, you know what? Now that Hercules is dead, I love the idea that he makes it seem like he did anything at this point. Hercules would have killed him. You know, the the minister, he did the the work. And now, though, you know, you have Hulk. He's going to take credit for things. I kick butt. I'm going to come. And by the way, Rick Jones, you're watching. I'm coming for you next. And he does go after it. He does go down and he's going to go to that underground lair. And as he goes, he ends up coming into the room that we had seen with all the equipment, all that stuff. It's empty. And when Hulk gets in there, there's, you know, classic, you know, classic movie deal where there's the empty room, but the one television screen where Rick can talk to Hulk. Hulk's talking back, but 
you end up having Rick say, hey, uh, Hulk, what's up? You know, long time no see. Uh, but you're not really the Hulk. You know, I, I've been watching you and I see what's going on. And yeah, you know, it's like father, like son here. You're more like Brian. You're more like your dad than the Hulk. And if, if you're reading, especially like the Immortal Hulk now, things like that, or you're a Hulk, you know that, that that's ultimate shade. That is a shade that will drive Hulk insane. Because that's not what he wants to hear. And he says, you know, shut up and stop. Well, Rick's like, oh, well, you know, it's fine. You could say what you want. But, yeah, goodbye, Bruce. Ends up pressing the button and blows up this whole bunker that he had. It ends up where the, the minister was right outside. He gets knocked back. And you're like, oh, well, I guess that that future imperfect isn't going to happen, right? It's a tough deal to have a scene like this. Where you know what can happen or what should happen. So you know that Hulk's not going to die, but it's pretty badass to see him crawl out of this giant pit hole that was created by this explosion. And he's like, Yeah. And it's funny, the minister's like, What happened, sir? And he's like, Yeah, I was talking to an old friend. And I, your old friend tried to destroy you. Yeah, you know, it usually happens that way. You'd be amazed how many times old friends want to blow me up. But. You know, he says, is everybody okay? They're like, yeah, everybody's okay. Uh, but by the way, you want me to call you Hulk or should I call you Bruce Banner or what? And he's like, no, call me Maestro. And then he's sitting on that throne and he's ready to kick butt. So we're going to continue with that, though. But it's good. It really is. It's good enough for me to say you should check it out if you can. I'm not going to full out recommend it because it's such a quick read. But you also get the relics deal at the end. And this is a nice one, as Rick has to grab all the stuff and skedaddle out before the Hulk comes and kills him, as he's packing things, as he's looking at all these relics, he's having the idea, or, you know, in his head talking and saying goodbye to a bunch of friends, Cap, even Hulk, Marvel, a lot of things going on, pretty cool. And even with the the appropriate time frame of back when Rick would have been all that, and even with the thing where Rick's like, you know, maybe I should have just, you know, Tried to do something else. He's talking to Marvell, and he's like, you know, I could have ended up being a, you know, a guitarist there. At the one point he was, he was playing in the cafes. He was and entertaining, but I do like it. I do like it. And then it ends, and you say, uh, at the end, it's not over. It's going to continue on Maestro War and Pax Number One that debuts. It says on January twentieth with artist Javier Apina doing the thing and Peter David writing it again. And so I, I did like it. I did like it. I'm going to give it an 8. An 8 out of 10. Um, but again, like I said, it's a quick read, the whole thing. I think it's one of those where you could read the whole thing in like, you know, a half hour, really, five issues. And if it's not your cup of tea, maybe check it out when it arrives fully on the Marvel Unlimited app if you have it. And if you don't, you should because it's great. I will give my full endorsement for that. But that's it. For the podcast. And I also want to say that Herman Peralta's art is really, really good in this as well. So there you go. That's the end of the podcast. As I said before, this will end up, we'll have our Star Wars episode on Saturday. That will be with the Bounty Hunters book, me and Matt will talk about. Then on Monday, we'll have our X Men show, hopefully with Ruben talking about Excalibur. And then that next week books, including some big ones. I mean, you end up having the end of the Kindred story as one of them going on at that point and a bunch of other things. Well, that will be a Patreon only show. All three of those will be on the Patreon because it's an annuals week. Uh, so you can check that out by going over to Patreon 
com slash word science and i'll tell you here's some of the books that are going to be on amazing spider-man number 55 avengers 40 continuing the whole deal with the phoenix force ghost rider return of vengeance number one king in black iron man doom number one king in black namor number two though i didn't really love that first one but we'll see power pack number two which i love i i love power pack shang chi number four werewolf by night number three and wolverine number eight and then X-Men number 16, those are the books that are coming out. We'll talk about most of those on each of the shows there. And I do notice right now there will not be a Star Wars book, so that is kind of an aside there. But, yeah, if you want to check out those shows and a lot of other things, we have usually about 70 different shows a month on our Patreon. We try to make it worthwhile. We have a lot of weekly shows, very weekly, right? Where Where's my thing? Hey! <laughs> But we have a lot of shows that are pretty much, you know, not just a thrown out there show. It is actually a each week podcast. So you'll be getting a lot of different podcasts, a lot of things going on. A manga show I do with Luke Hollywood, a lot of things. I could go on and on, but I won't because I'm going to let everybody go now. But I'll remind you to go over to the Twitters at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you. Can you tell I'm real tired? Because I'm starting to not be able to keep my eyes open as I'm talking. Uh, you can also go over to our website at weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. And again, as I said, you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdsciencey, all the things that we do. I think that it's you know worth your while to check it out. But thanks, everybody. And if you're not going to be on the Patreon, I'll talk to you in the next. I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm just going to go. <laughs> Oh my goodness, it's late. Thanks, everybody. I will talk to you later.